Please give me Bhagavad Gita, text number 1325 Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Jane Jani Pashanti Kechid Atmana Anye Yogena Karma Yogena Chapare Jnana, by meditation, Atmani, within the self, Pashanti, see, Kechit, some, Atmanam, the super-soul, Atmana, by the mind, Anye, others, Sankhyena, of philosophical discussion, Yogena, by the yoga system, Karma Yogena, by activities without fruit of desire, Cha, also, Apare, others, Translation, some perceive the super-soul within themselves through meditation, others through the cultivation of knowledge, and still others through working without fruit of desires. Purport. The Lord informs Arjuna that the conditioned souls can be divided into two classes as far as man's search for self-realization is concerned. Those who are atheists, agnostics, and skeptics are beyond the sense of spiritual understanding. But there are others who are faithful in their understanding of spiritual life. And they are called introspective devotees, philosophers, and workers who have renounced fruit of results. Those who always try to establish the doctrine of monism are also counted among the atheists and agnostics. In other words, only the devotees of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are best situated in spiritual understanding because they understand that beyond this material nature are the spiritual world and the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is expanded as the Paramatma, the Supersoul in everyone, the all-pervading Godhead. Of course, there are those who try to understand the Supreme Absolute by cultivation of knowledge, and they can be counted in the class of the faithful. The Sankhya philosophers analyze this material world into 24 elements, and they place the individual soul as the 25th item. When they are able to understand the nature of the individual soul to be transcendental to the material elements, they are able to understand also that above the individual soul there is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is the 26th element. Thus gradually... They also come to the standard of devotional service in Krishna consciousness. Those who work without fruit of results are also perfect in their attitude. They are given a chance to advance to the platform of devotional service in Krishna consciousness. Here it is stated that there are some people who are pure in consciousness and who try to find out the super soul by meditation. And when they discover the super soul within themselves, they become transcendentally situated. Similarly, there are, the, there are others who also try to understand the Supreme Soul by cultivation of knowledge. And there are others who cultivate the Hatha Yoga system, 
and who try to satisfy the Supreme Personality of Godhead by childish activities. Next text. Anye tvevam ajanata shutvanebhya upasate tepi chattitaranteva mrityum shuti parayana Anye, others too, but evam thus, ajanantaha, without spiritual knowledge, shudva, by hearing, anebhya, from others, upasate, begin to worship, te, they, api, also, cha, and, atitaranti, transcend, eva, certainly, mrityum, the path of death, shruti parayana, inclined to the process of hearing, Translation, again, there are those who, although not conversant in spiritual knowledge, begin to worship the Supreme Person upon hearing about him from others. Because of their tendency to hear from authorities, they also transcend the path of birth and death. Purport. This verse is particularly applicable to modern society because in modern society there is practically no education in spiritual matters. Some of the people may appear to be atheistic or agnostic or philosophical, but actually there is no knowledge of philosophy. As for the common man, if he is a good soul, then there is a chance for advancement by hearing. This hearing process is very important. Lord Chaitanya, who preached Krishna consciousness in the modern world, gave great stress to hearing because if the common man simply hears from authoritative sources, he can progress, especially according to Lord Chaitanya, if he hears the transcendental vibration, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. It is stated, therefore, that all men should take advantage of hearing from realized souls and gradually become able to understand everything. The worship of the Supreme Lord will then undoubtedly take place. Lord Chaitanya has said that in this age no one needs to change his position, but one should give up the endeavor to understand the absolute truth by speculative reasoning. One should learn to become the servant of those who are in knowledge of the Supreme Lord. If one is fortunate enough to take shelter of a pure devotee, hear from him about self-realization, and follow him in his footsteps, one will be gradually elevated to the position of a pure devotee. In this verse, particularly, the process of hearing is strongly recommended. And this is very appropriate, although the common man is often not as capable as so-called philosophers, faithful hearing from an authoritative person will help one transcend this material existence and go back home, back to Godhead. Go back to Godhead, back to home. Yeah, the previous verse here, uh, Krishna's in this chapter, he's talking about understanding the field and the knower of the field. He describes this as knowledge. Shetragnam chapi vamvidi. Put it on gallery, please. Sarva shetra shubharata. Shetra shetragnoyo jnanam yataj jnanam matamama. He says, what is, what is knowledge? means to understand the difference between the field and the knower of the field. And some, as we heard, go through the Sankhya process by analyzing all of the elements 
and dividing them up into categories and seeing which one which ones have which qualities when you come to count all the aspects of material nature uh, 24 different elements in combination then you you find or actually in the aggregate not in the combination but in aggregate the 24 elements and then you see that the the soul or the atma is 25th element but it's categorically different from all the other elements and then as Prabhupada just pointed out when one comes to the position of understanding one's atma or self beyond matter then there's also the possibility of perceiving the super soul who's the origin of all the various energies so said this is real knowledge to understand this difference otherwise uh, a verse uh, Krishna spoke he speaks it at Kurukshetra when he's gone there for the eclipse and many great sages have come there the residents of Vrindavan came because they knew Krishna was coming that was their purpose and when Krishna gathered before all the greatest sages, there's a, a long list in the Bhagavatam of who showed up there. He said, Yasyatma Buddhi Kunapetridat Tuke, Swadi Kalatradishu, Bahoma Ejidi, Yatirta Buddhi Salilena Karijid Janeshu Abhigeshu Saeva Gokara. Who knows what that verse means? Yes, go ahead. That's a problem. Um, Krishna is describing the body as a bag that contains three items. Um, if I'm not wrong, it's stool, pus, and urine. Cup of pickle, uh, yeah. Anyway, whatever way you want to divide it up. <laughs> but cup of pitavayu, you know, according to Ayurvedic science, they're all material elements. Go ahead. I think Krishna was just talking about how, like, I... I can't remember the rest of the worst marriage. Okay, let's just... let's go over it. Yasyatma bhudi kunapay tridatuke. So tridatuke means there's three elements. So a person um, who thinks that I am this combination of elements. Swadi kalatradishu. So then he says yasyatma bhudi kunapay tridatuke. And then the person who also identifies himself with uh, the uh, the place where he's born, Boma. This is my my place. Everyone identifies with their own place, no matter how uh, downtrodden, poor, uh, miserable the place is. It's, they they wax nationalistic that this is my my place that I. Come I'm from because I was born here therefore it's worshipable and all of my family members also are my people and a person who goes to a tirta a holy place but uh, not to get association with sadhus but only to take a bath in the holy river and deposit their sins and then go on sinning such a person has 
the mentality of a cow or an ass. They're not humans. Uh, Krishna spoke this verse in front of all the greatest sages, in front of Vyasadeva and uh, scores of other highly elevated sages who are expert in all kinds of poetry and literary device and philosophy. And then this is the verse he spoke. And do you know what the sages said collectively when they heard this? Pavani Bhakti, you know what they said? No, collectively. Much. They said, this is the most profound thing we've ever heard. <laughs> they said, this is the most profound thing we've ever heard. So the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and he comes before all these sages, anything he could have said, but he said, yes, that he describes that this is the mentality of a person crippled by material concept of life. That thinking that I'm this body, when the body is actually just a bag of chemicals and thinking that this is my homeland and because it's my homeland, it's worshipable. Or thinking that a holy place just means a place to take a bath and go home, dump your sins, go home. So he said, this person's like a cow and ass. And all the great sages said, this is profound. This is amazing what Krishna just said. It shows that uh, those who are actually experiencing that I'm not the material body and realizing the potential of that, that I'm not, I'm not actually bound to this body. I'm not obligated to uh, my past karma. And I'm not and I can actually direct myself by cultivation to go anywhere I wish. This is one of the messages Krishna gives in the Bhagavad Gita. Yanti Deva Vrta Devan Pitrin Yanti Pratirvata Bhutani Yanti Bhuteja Yanti Mam Yajinopimam. That wherever you decide to go, Yanti, you can go. It's just a matter of knowing where you are on the map and then knowing what the process is to go elsewhere. And those who are dedicated to the bodily conception of life, they've made a, a vrut that no, I'm going to be my body and I'm going to stay in the bodily conception of life. Then Prahlad Maharaj says, and when they don't know that the ultimate goal of life is Vishnu, then they follow other blind people. And as Prabhupada says in the, in the second purport we read, actually people have no knowledge of philosophy. But then they lead anyway. They have no idea what the goal of life is. They have no idea whatsoever. But then they lead. And therefore, Pallad said, it's like a, a blind person leading other blind people into a ditch. And that because of following such instructions, they become bound by very strong cords. They can't get out of the bodily conception of life. On the other hand, there are processes through which one can disentangle oneself from this bodily conception of life. Some of them are mentioned in the first verse, including Sankhya and meditation. 
And in the second verse, which is sounds doable, sounds more doable, I think. And that is that for those who are open to hearing, they're good souls, meaning they're open to hearing from an authority. They can feel that, okay, this person has something valuable to say, and they don't have a cheating heart that let me be cheated so I can go on in my illusory existence. And they feel like, okay, let me listen. Even though I don't know anything, I'll listen. And this is who Krishna is talking about, a simple person. Not that they're simple minded, but they're simple hearted. And if such a person aligns him or herself with a sadhu, one who's practicing sadhana as given to the authorized uh, disciplic succession and whose motivation is only to serve Krishna and is following in the footsteps of pure devotees, then by hearing from such a person, then even if in the beginning it's hard to understand, if that person simply persists in listening, sitting for the class, listening carefully again and again, as it's being explained, as there are narratives about the Supreme Personality of Godhead being discussed, entwined with the philosophy taught by Krishna and the great sages, then miraculously the heart becomes transformed. Satam prasangam mamavirya sambido bhavanti hritkarna rasayanakata touch joshanat ashua pavargavart manishadaratir bhaktir anukramishudi. Kapiladev says that in the association of devotees, the primary function is hearing. And as you sit and listen in the association of devotees to Krishna Kata, then the heart is transformed. And as the heart is transformed, one knows for oneself that one's gaining spiritual strength and also getting a taste for the process. And this is the path that takes one back home, back to the spiritual world. Shamalangi, what is your experience with sitting and listening? Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, am I audible? You are, fortunately, okay. for all of us. Okay, thank you. Um, yes, um, uh, effect of listening, uh, Maharaj, um, it, I think it's profound. I mean, um, initially, I remember, uh, like, uh, when I started coming to the classes regularly, uh, even without understanding if I can continue to listen, then slowly everything slowly takes time and then you also invest some time personally, you know, to go through that, whatever you heard. And uh, it just, uh, I mean, you know, Krishna reveals himself. That's all I can say. Shabalangi, I was sitting there in Bascom. Mm -hmm. That's where we were, right? Bascom? Yes. Yes. I remember giving classes in Bascom and I remember noticing that Shamalangi's coming to all the classes and she's listening very carefully. <laughs> That's actually, you, you can notice it as a speaker 
if you're giving class again and again, you look at the audience and you can notice who's actually leaning into it and who's who's lighting up. It's a, it's actually a, a it's palpable. It's noticeable. I saw it in you. You would come and you would always sit. And then I noticed a, a change actually that like it was almost sudden there was a light that went on. You became effulgent. I mean, you've always been effulgent, but it just became, you know, augmented in an amazing way. Are you aware of that? Were you aware of a yes. of transform transformative process of sitting in and hearing class? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an amazing process that anyone who will um, put themselves before the the sound vibration and simply hear. I I was appreciated in, in Vrindavan thinking I have these scenes of Kartik in my mind going oftentimes in the evening to the Radhadamadar temple and there was this sadhu every night even amongst the clam amidst the clamor you know how clamorous it is you go into Radhadamadar at night during Kartik and everyone's circumambulating and there's bells ringing and everyone just uh, in a festive mood it's Kartik and uh, there was this one sadhu he, he wore this far out hat I can't remember what exactly what it looked like I just remember it was unusual hat he had on and he had a little dais he sat on and then I'd look and I see people in the middle of the courtyard just crowded in listening he'd do a little bhajan and then he'd speak some Krishna kata and then he'd do a little more bhajan and it's just the culture that everyone would sit there and listen and hear the class and transformative. And even just by walking by that environment and seeing everybody leaning in and listening to the sadhu speak and how attentive everyone was, I could feel myself being affected by it just by the scene. And we noticed on the cover of the, uh, the inside cover of the Bhagavatam, you see the sages sitting in listening what is Shukadeva telling Parikshit? And this is the this is the main process for advancing in spiritual life. Satam prasangam mama viryasam vido. In the association of satam, those who are perfectly sincerely aligned with the process of Krishna consciousness and who are speaking Krishna kata, bona fide Krishna kata in spiritual circles, there's no speculation. It's all backed up by the Shastra. Then gradually that message goes in the ear. It actually enters the heart as a kind of medicine. And then we become uh, redirected from Pavarga, which means the hellish process of birth and death in the material world and transmigration to Upavarga. We're transformed and we're taken back home, back to Godhead. So we're we're um, we're helped by helping ourselves to stay in front of transcendental sound vibration, to uh, to expand the Sankirtan movement. What's especially effective is to have an assembly of people in whatever way you can. Right now, a lot of it's electronic, and simply hear Krishna Kata in the pastimes. That are there in the Bhagavatam. Is that Dhanavari? 
Yes, Hare Krishna, Hare Maharaj. Krishna. Please accept my humble obeisances, uh, Cheshila Prabhupada. When you just mentioned about um, Baskam, I just remember something. I used to come to Baskam just maybe two, three times a year. Uh, I didn't know about class or anything. I just, uh, Hanspriya Mataji, during Srad or something, I used to drop something and come there to just have a darshan quickly and Hans Priya Mataji used to engage me uh, a little bit and then I just remember Baskam so I wanted to share and uh, Krishna is so kind and I didn't know about anything in detail at that time. So what happened? Thank you Hare Krishna. No, what happened? Uh, Hans Priya Mataji really. <laughs> So you didn't know you, you you just had a good heart because you you come from an extremely pious background. So you were there at the temple. Hansapriya engaged you, and then then what? Then I I didn't even know that Guru Maharaj that I after you came to San Diego and the roots the seeds were there just uh, planted. I didn't without knowing I didn't know anything and how I feel. And then I you accept me and everything and I'm so thankful okay well you, you see you're the poster child for today's verse let's look at it again bring the verse back no not that one <laughs> okay look at the translation again there are those who although not conversant in spiritual knowledge begin to worship the supreme person upon hearing about him from others because of their tendency to hear from authorities, they transcend the path of birth and death. You're such a case. You have a clean heart. And you have that punya. And so when you just walk in a spiritual environment, just by coming near the sound vibration, then you're transformed. And then you place your feet squarely on the path of bhajana kriya, that I'm going in a particular direction. I'm I'm with these people. I want to go to that place. I want to go to Goloka. And this is what happens in the power of the Sangha. Satam Prasangam. It's, uh, he's saying that this is in the association of Satam, those who are truthful, tr truly dedicated to the process of worshiping Krishna. And they do so by hearing Jnane Pryasam Udapasyanamanta Eva Jivanti San Mukaritam Bhavadiyavartam Brahma says, give up everything else. Don't worry about all the other thoughts you have about philosophizing, speculating. Don't try to do jnana. Don't try to do karma. Do bhakti and do it like this. Stane stita shruti gatam tanavan manobir. Really worship the sound vibration. And he said, by that process, you'll be elevated to the highest position. It's like um, Gopal Champu Prabhu in Atlanta, Georgia. There's like a lot of new people coming into your center there. And basically, you know, you're giving just a straight presentation to them about Krishna consciousness and what kind of um, transformations have you seen? Can you give us any uh, general or detailed a consideration of how that works, how you've seen it working. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please set my humble basis. Guru Shri Prabhupada. Yeah, we're missing Kartik, right? 
Yeah, I was, I was, as, as you missing Govardhan, was, not Kartik. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking about, you know, we sit in a room for five hours a day and just hear Srimad Bhagavatam, and just like, I was so much, so much missing that, and how, you know, at the end of it all, I was just thinking, do we really do this five hours every single day hearing Srimad Bhagavatam? I, I, there's nowhere, nowhere else in the world I would rather be, than there hearing from you and. Keshavarti Maharaj. Anyway, now we're separated from that. But um, yeah, I we've noticed that just reading Srila Prabhupada's books and giving people an opportunity to hear, they that the response has been tremendous. They they many people are very grateful and they say, you know, nobody tells us anything like this. Where is this knowledge available? So um, just just speaking about the body is separate from the soul, you know, and, and material sense gratification won't bring us any happiness. A lot of people resonate with that and they're, they're very happy to hear that. And um, we've been getting a great response, especially with the prasadam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, all that and prasadam too. Have you noticed uh, transformations taking place in people, like in individuals there that you've seen? Yeah, there's um, uh, one gentleman um, in particular, his name is Ryan, and maybe just after a couple of classes, he, he came and he, and he admitted to us that he stopped eating meat and, and that he started following the four of the principles just by hearing, just by associating with devotees and coming and hearing. And um, he comes once a week for Bhagavatam class and he comes for the Sunday program. And we just met him a couple of months ago. This is what's called a miracle, really. And Prabhupada used to point to this, that when people would ask him, Swamiji, do you do miracles? Show us something. Prabhupada would point to all of his students and say, this is a miracle. They gave up everything and they just want to hear and they're practicing Krishna consciousness. But how did that happen? You know, Prabhupada went to the park, he chanted, and then he held open class on Bhagavad Gita and people came and listened. Now, Prabhupada comments about his own experience. He said he used to sit and listen to his Guru Maharaj, but he didn't. Uh, he said he didn't understand everything. But still, he leaned into it. He still listened very carefully. And then gradually, and I mean, what verse would uh, one of you uh, submit that would explain that phenomena? A verse from the Bhagavad Gita, perhaps, would be really nice that would explain the phenomena that somebody who really doesn't know what's going on, who doesn't really know the philosophy, I'm talking about Ryan or somebody like that coming in, or, or anyone for that matter at any level listening, just having a, a goodness in their heart that this seems like a good idea, although I have no idea what's happening. And then they stay and they listen and then they get knowledge and they get detachment. I'll take a, a verse from the Bhagavatam or from the Gita to explain it. The wheels are turning. Let's have some pramanam. Give me something from the first canto, second chapter. Oh, yes, go ahead, Shraddha. It's one, uh, one, two, seven. Um, Vasudevi Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojitaha Janyat Asu Vairagyam Gyanam Chayat Hetukam. It means that, is that the one? It's an excellent choice. 
Yes, it says that those who worship um, the Supreme Lord, for them, Jnanam Charyat Ahetukam. So um, both, um, they worship the Lord, for them, Janyatu Ashu Vairagam, very soon, um, Vairagya and knowledge come to them. Yeah. And, and, and later on, I'm, I don't remember the verse, but later on in, um, I think it's in around fifth or sixth chapter, Narad Muni, when he's explaining to Vyasdev, he also says that knowledge and detachment are concomitant factors of devotional service. I'm forgetting which word that is. Somewhere in the fifth chapter. Srivata, was that the verse you were thinking of, but you didn't jump in fast enough? I saw the wheels turning there and the and the uh, mute button come off. Oh, I'm just on Jamulus Marge, but um, I was thinking about a verse from the 11th canto about how everything that's achieved through detachment and jnana and every other process is achieved easily through devotional service. But I didn't I didn't think it had it didn't I didn't think it completely had to do with the conversation, so I didn't say it. I think it's very related. You know, the, if you do if you do bhakti, especially starting with shravanam kirtanam, then as Shraddha gave us this excellent verse from one two seven. Do you 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 all know that verse one two seven right? That just by doing bhakti, then naturally as that gyan and vairagya come. I mean, it's amazing because this is one under gyan means one understands I'm not my body. And there's actually a, a super knower within the body that becomes revealed by listening through Shravanam Kirtanam. And also there's a detachment that it's very difficult to understand. There's a kind of a strength that comes into one's heart that, yes, I want to do this. And you have the determination to overcome the habits that drag one away from devotional service. So that comes from the direct process of bhakti beginning beginning with shravanam kirtanam do you want to read your verse srivata sure marge um it is uh it's eleven twenty thirty two to 33. are you um, sitting in your bhajan kutir <laughs> oh <laughs> i think I have, it's nice you have a set of bhagavatams right there i mean you're living the life you have a little corner there with a set of bhagavatams and you can hear and chant to your heart's content. That's pretty nice. All right, go ahead. Give him his verse. Give us the Sanskrit and the English, please, Srivata. Um, yeah, yes, Marge. Um, yat karma bhir yat tapasa jnana vairya gyatashchayat yogena dana dharmena Shriyo bhiritirerapi Sarvam madbhakti yogena Madbhakto labhategnyasa Swargapa vargam madhama Katanchid yadivanchati Translation, please. Everything that can be achieved by fruit of activities, penance, knowledge, detachment, mystic yoga, charity, Religious duties and all other means of perfecting life is easily achieved by my devotee through loving service unto me. If somehow or other my devotee desires promotion to heaven, liberation, or residence in my abode, he easily achieves such benedictions. 
Do you wish to read part of the purport and give a commentary? If if you'd like so much. Please. Um Lord Krishna here reveals the transcendental glories of devotional service to the sorry. Lord Krishna here reveals the transcendental glories of devotional service to the Lord. Although pure devotees are desireless, desiring only the Lord's service, sometimes a great devotee may desire may desire the Lord's benediction to facilitate his loving service. In the sixth canto of the Bhagavatam, we find that Sri Chitraketu, a great devotee of the Lord, desired promotion to heaven, so that accompanied so that accompanied by the most attractive ladies of the Vidyadhara planet, he could beautifully chant the glories of the Lord. Similarly, Sri Shukadev Goswami, the great narrator of Srimad Bhagavatam, desiring to avoid entanglement in the illusory potency of the Lord, would not come out of his mother's womb. In other words, Shukadev Goswami desired apavargam, or liberation from Maya, so that his devotional service would not be disturbed. Lord Krishna personally sent the illusory energy far away so that Shukadev Goswami would come out of his mother's womb. Because of intense loving desire to serve the lotus feet of the Lord, a devotee may also desire promotion to the spiritual world. Um, should I... Keep going. According to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, a devotee, having given up the independent cultivation of knowledge and detachment, may have firm faith in devotional service of the Lord, and yet remain slightly attached to the fruits of such activities. By expert fruit of activities, one gains residence in material heaven, and by cultivation of detachment, one is relieved of all bodily distress. If Lord Krishna detects within a devotee's heart the desire for such benedictions, the Lord can easily award them to his devotees. The word, itirai, in this verse indicates visiting holy places, accepting religious vows, and so forth. Sev several auspicious processes of elevation are mentioned in the verses preceding this. But all auspicious results of these processes are easily achieved by loving service to the Lord. Thus all devotees of the Lord in whatever stage of advancement should dedicate their energy exclusively to the Lord's service, as affirmed in the second canto of Srimad Bhagavatam by Sri Sri Shukadev Goswami. Akama sarva kamova mokshakama udaradhi a person who has broader intelligence, whether he be full of all material desire, without any material desire, or desiring liberation, must by all means worship the Supreme Whole, the Personality of Godhead. Little commentary, please. I think it's very interesting to see that ultimately at the end of the day, a devotee's desires are always centered around service to the Lord or service to his devotees and or and um, uh, such and it's always nice to see that the Lord accommodates even for the small material desire that is left in the devotee because sometimes it might seem that um, it's a it's a point I heard in a lecture once about how Rupa Goswami he defines pure devotional service as completely free from uh, material desire or anyabilashita shunyam completely free from personal desire but sometimes um, a devotee might have a small material desire that suddenly comes out of an emergency situation such as that's, this is why Rupa Goswami adds the small ending of itta 
meaning that in some cases that the devotee might ask for something and an example can be given of how a um like if a devotee is crossing the road and a truck comes running at him like flying at him and he just he just prays to krishna for protection but and krishna offers such things for his devotees but at the end of the day a devotee's desires are always um centered around the sole purpose of serving the serving the lord and his pure devotees because there isn't anything else that's better for someone other than those two things because material desires will go away in the course of time thank you very much that was a choice first wasn't it and now let's see if there's some questions Maharaj? yes another words from Srimad Bhagavatam can I refer yes please it's 11242. It's about renunciation and bhakti. Devotion, direct experience of the Supreme Lord and detachment from other things. These three occur simultaneously for one who has taken shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the same way that pleasure, nourishment, and relief from hunger come simultaneously and increasingly with each bite for a person engaged in eating. This is an often quoted verse by Srila Prabhupada. Thank you very much, Tadiya Seva Prabhu. Okay, let's see. You can ask some questions. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. I had a, um, a question connected to the first verse that you read and also connected to um, what we had discussed on Saturday morning. Um, so you were mentioning about how we can actually see Krishna and... Um, you know, like how Krishna appears in the heart of devotees. So Prabhu, I was just thinking that um, you had mentioned, I think, to Marini's question about uh, Krishna would appear in a, the heart of the devotee in the level of asakti. So I was wondering, is that the, I mean, a person has to be in asakti to be in that level? I mean, to be able to see Krishna or does Krishna appear even before? Thank you. In the case of Narada Muni, when Narada was a child, five years old, and he met sadhus. And the sadhus liked him. They even stayed extra time because they saw this is a very receptive boy. And he served those sadhus, and he heard from them. His heart was touched by hearing their bhajan. And he once asked them if he could take the remnants of their prasadam, and he did by their permission. He felt himself completely transformed by hearing their bhajan, by being around them. This is how devotional service takes root. It's by the association of, of sadhus. So after they left, he was alone, was this boy, with his mother, and by the power of providence, 
one night. His mother went out to milk a cow and she was bitten by a snake and she died. So this little five-year-old boy, because he had already been touched by the association of sadhus, he was not uh, lost by this. Not even by being left as an orphan, he wasn't lost. Rather, he set out on his own to explore the Lord's creation. And he went through mining fields, metropolises, little hamlets, and he ended up in a forest one day where he was meditating. And there he had a profound experience where he actually had darshan with Krishna. And he was in a state of rapture where he was beyond the material senses and body completely. And then he lost it. He lost, that is, the vision. And then he sat up straighter. He leaned harder into his practice, thinking that he could make it come back. And then the Lord spoke to him in an unembodied voice, just heard the voice, and said that, actually, this was just a sample. This is just a experience to encourage you, but you're not there yet. You're not ready. You need to devote your life to this. So Narada then spent the rest of his days practicing devotional service, but he had that taste because he had seen it. And there's a way that at any stage, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur explains, he tells all the different stages of faith in bhakti and the in the thickening of the faith, and then he says that, you know, some of sometimes the the symptoms appear out of order. It's not that it has to go all the way, but it doesn't persist in that way. It comes as um, a kind of an experience to encourage the devotee. So yes, that's possible. Yeah. Thank you so much, Krishna. Yes. Yes. So I had a, a question regarding um, the the part about um, unmotivated service to the Supreme Lord. So, um, what during our daily lives or the course of our lives? it's natural for us during like our interaction with material energy to feel that um, I want a certain thing or a certain expectation, but how do we um, completely place at the highest degree our faith in Krishna that our service is completely unmotivated um, so that we can achieve that satisfaction in our devotional service? As we go through various phases of our life, we may express that surrender to Krishna in different ways. If we look at Prabhupada's life as the Acharya that he was, that he is, Acharya means one who teaches by example. And we note in his later days when, when uh, many of us were with him, that he was Paramahamsa and 
then if you look back, of course, it's not proper really to look back into the into the earlier lives of Vaishnavas, but we can learn and Prabhupada told many of the incidents in his own life. For instance, he said, you know, when he was his father made an arranged marriage and there was a beautiful one and a not so beautiful. His father said, uh, maybe the one that's not so beautiful. And then <laughs> and then there was some, you know, discrepancy, oh, maybe a different wife. His father said, no, no, just be, do this. And he surrendered to what if, uh, whatever his father said. Prabhupada said his father was a pure devotee in his own right. And when Prabhupada talks about his business days, he he mentions how he had started a business and then the business, he said by Krishna's arrangement, it was all dismantled. Although the astrologer said you, you should, by all the signs, you should be as rich as Birla from this. And everything was set up to go perfectly, but Prabhupada said Krishna dismantled it. So how did Prabhupada surrender at that time Practically, you know, he accepted it as Krishna's mercy and then he moved at a certain time when the time was right into Vanaprastha and looked for service in the Gaudiamat. And one thing after another, you can see at different uh, periods in Prabhupada's life where he shows a practical example, a real life example that yes, as you're living, you'll go through life's experiences. And in each one of them, then you make a decision. How will I best serve Krishna when I make this arrangement? And if you're doing that during the different periods of your life, the different uh, when you make various decisions about how to do something and you're taking guidance, this is the way to stay on track throughout a lifetime. The Varnashrama system is really there as a practical means to give us a f facility in various parts of our life, like the different ashramas. They accommodate in the younger years, brahmachari student life, very natural, then a different, uh, sometimes there's grahasta, vanaprastha, sannyas, things like that. These are all meant so one can gradually accommodate one's psychophysiological nature and position in life and connect it to Krishna. And so the way you express your, and then also according to, you know, who you are, man, woman, that you may be, you your surrender may be expressed in different ways. Uh, and you can see all the examples in the Srimad Bhagavatam of exemplary characters who, although they were kings, they might have been uh, women, whatever one, whatever uh, situation one, the soul is in, uh, the sincere soul finds a way in which to connect it to Krishna, connect the service to Krishna. So what it looks like is something very practical because you actually have to go through life. There's no uh, jumping into Paramahamsa mode all of a sudden and saying, I'm Paramahamsa, I'll just go to the forest. Uh, or live aloof from everything. That 
um, is not as effective, Rupa Goswami says, Anasaktasya Vishayan, Yatarham Upayunjita, Nirbanda Krishna Sambande Yuktam Vairagya Muchite, Papanchikataya Buddha Hari Sambandivastuna, Mumukshabi Mumukshabi Prutyago Vairagyam Palgukatyate. That's you should use everything in Krishna's service. Whatever facility you have, whatever body you have, everything, your senses, use it in Krishna's service. And to give up things that can be used in Krishna's service and not use them is artificial. He said it's palku vairagya. It's not very good, not very good or strong or important renunciation. Can you respond? Yes, Prabhu, thank you. No, I, I did it. What any of it uh, hit the mark, or do you want to ask a follow up question? Um, I think what you mentioned, what struck me the most, and what was most um, practical was that um, constantly being aware of our, our position and then how we can surrender and using our capabilities to surrender to Krishna throughout our different stages of life can ultimately lead to natural, unmotivated service. It could be very practical, almost mundane seeming kinds of questions. This is the kind of point I was trying to make is mm -hmm. that it doesn't always look like, you know, hey, I'm off to the forest. It looks like sometimes uh, look at Priyavrata in the fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. He was ready to, to just stay in a cave. Narada Muni was there with him, teaching him everything. And then Swayambhuvamanu, his father, came and said, you know, we need something else from you. You've got to get into management, which means uh, we'd like you to be a grahasta and <laughs> a king and all that. He's like, wait a minute, I'm just sitting here doing my bhajan. I don't want... And then, then Brahma came and said, no, no, we really do need a king and you know you have to do this and there's a discussion there about uh what is really renunciation when when they came and they asked him to do that then he did that of course for others you know like yadu his father asked him to take his uh his old age he was his father was cursed to take to become old but then he was shukracharya said you could you could give it away. You could trade away your old age back to one of your kids, and uh, and then you could be young again. So he asked his different children. He asked Yadu, and Yadu said, "I don't, I don't want to take your old age because I need my youth to become Krishna conscious, and I know Krishna is going to appear later. So I'm going to, I'm going to develop my Krishna conscious so I can greet him properly and worship him when he comes." But then the his other sons. Uh, they just said, no, we want sense gratification now that we're young. We don't want your, your old age. Uh, so their motivation was not renounced, whereas Yadu's was. And of course, the, the four Kumaras, when they came out, Brahma asked them to take up Grahasta life. And they said, sorry, no can do. And Brahma became really, <laughs> really disturbed. <laughs> he was angry, but there was no fault. And there's no fault in Yadu disobeying his father either because it was for Krishna consciousness. So renunciation has to do with motive. 
also how you're utilizing and also what your motive is behind it because the two sons yadu said i don't want to do it and the other son said i don't want to do it but yadu was faultless where the other ones were full they were faulted because they had uh their own material motivation whereas yadu didn't so the renunciation and applying these types of things is is nuanced and of course it has to do with motive and also maybe very practical things that take place because sometimes the renunciation can look more like you're taking up more of a burden in material life but actually if the motive is there because it's it's a it's something that is ordained by your spiritual mentors and and it's actually for your long-term benefit then that can be a, a more powerful kind of renunciation than than something that is more uh, personally motivated thank you even like where to live that could be a, a discussion you know you could say so where should we live and then in one place oh it can live in a bigger house uh it costs less money or it can live in a smaller house but hey we're going to be close to our service and we're going to be able to be at the temple every day or do our service so which one do you do if you choose these if you make these decisions based on what's best for my service that's your real motivation you'll never make a mistake and that's real renunciation how to increase the service that's what priyavrata saw also when he finally said okay i'll do it and um, it was actually Krishna's desire that he did it. So he took it up and became really entangled, actually, in all kinds of uh, duties. And then later he just gave it up by the Lord's arrangement. But that's another example of the way Krishna carries what you lack and preserves what you have if you do service for him. Kandamakana Maharaj, you know, he was, he was a grahasta for some time and then he wanted to take sannyas. But then he, he told us in a class in Vrindavan once, he said, before he could take sannyas, he had to take extra time to build up his material life because he had to leave his wife, uh, not insolvent, but you know fully uh, rightly situated. So he said, rather than becoming a renunciate, he said for a couple of years, he had to work extra hard to put everything in place so that he could change ashrams. So you got to know when to zig and when to zag according to your and it helps to uh to have really good guidance when you're making these decisions thank you very much you're making all the right moves priya kishori <laughs> thank you today is the appearance of radha kund it's a day when you know that millions of people well hundreds of thousands of people go to radha kund and they take a dip at midnight. It's a it's a, a tumultuous scene. The Radhakund Lake is something that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself brought to light. You know, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, he was searching for it actually. And when he he was there in Vrindavan looking for Radhakund and he found this tiny little pond, tiny little puddle, actually. And then he got in ecstasy and he took a bath there in that puddle and declared this is the Radha Kund. 
and he asked his devotees like Raghunath Das and, and Rupa Goswami to excavate that place and put the Radhakun there. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains the origin of Radhakund. At first in the pastimes of Krishna, the last uh, Vrindavan pastime, it marks the, the last Vrindavan pastime was this killing of Arishtasura, the bull demon, who one night when Krishna was preparing to do the rasa dance, just in the evening time, around five o'clock in the evening, it was dusk. And the mood was mellow until the Rishtasura came snorting into town. And it, he was dastardly. He was scary, extremely frightening because he was a gigantic bull. These are all wizards and they're all in employed by Kamsa to come in and try to kill Krishna. It was, it was a pressurized mood in Vrindavan, even from the time of Krishna's birth, obviously, because Kamsa was trying to kill Krishna out of fear that he would be killed. He knew in his last life as Kalanemi, he had been slain by Vishnu and he, he was a, he had that samskar in this life, I'm going to be killed also. So he was trying to fend off that inevitability. So when Arishta came to that scene where Krishna was with his gopis, Radharani was there, all his friends. How big was that bull? He had a big hump. His tail protruded in so high into the sky. This is how high, how big Arishta was that clouds uh, took shelter around his tail and his hump because they thought, oh, this must be a mountain. And Arishta came with an extremely angry mood and he was roaring. The roaring sound was so frightful that the cows who were pregnant, they had miscarriages, so did the, the young women who had fetuses, they miscarried because of the frightful sound. And just at that time, Krishna, they called for Krishna. Oh, Krishna, please help us. And the hero that he is, he jumped in in front of Arishta. Bhagavatam explains how cool Krishna is when he fights with these demons. He stood up to him and then he slapped his arms. And the sound of its slapping his hands on his arms, enraged Arishtasura. But then to make him even madder, Krishna standing next to Subala with his serpent-like arm, put it over the shoulder of his buddy. And he was just leaning there casually looking at Arishta like, what are you going to do about it? And Arishta became so angry, his eyes were practically red, copper red. He put his head down so his sharp horns were pointed straight at Krishna. With one hoof, he started digging up the earth. You may have seen bulls do this when they're getting ready to fight. They dig the earth. And it's very powerful. I saw on Grand Road 
in Jagannath Puri when I was staying there once, there were two bulls. They started fighting each other in the middle of the road and Grand Road is wide, but it was so heavy watching them fight. All traffic stopped. No one wanted to go near it because they were so absorbed in fighting. Bulls are scary. What to speak of a Rishta? It was gigantic. So he was digging up the earth with one of his hooves. He charged at Krishna head down his very sharp horns pointed right at Krishna. And it's described that he moved with speed of a lightning bolt. But Krishna grabbed him by the horns and threw him back 18 feet. The way a stronger elephant throws a weaker elephant back on its heels and moves him back and during a fight. Arisha now was mindlessly angry. He perspired. He was out of breath. But he was enraged and he charged again at Krishna, who kicked him down with his foot. And then he slammed him to the ground like someone would take a, a wet rag and smash it over and over again like this. And one time, when we were at Govardhan and we were listening to the story in the Krishna book of Arishtasura, Omkar was there, Havi's son. And the next day when I was on a parikram around Govardhan Hill and we walked by this little, this little shop and there was somebody in there with a rag and they were smashing it on the ground. <laughs> and we saw that we both looked at each other and spontaneously started laughing because we were thinking the same thing of Arishta. And Krishna pulled out his left horn and he beat him with it until he left his body. So then the gopis, they came up to Krishna and they said, well, how are you going to atone for this? You just killed a male cow. And Krishna said, what are you talking about? It was a demon. They said, hey, you killed a cow. You made a sin. So he said, what do you want me to do? And Shimati Radharani said, you have to travel throughout the whole universe and go to every holy place and bathe in every river to, to atone for this one. And Krishna said, why would, I want to, why, would I, why would I want to do that when I can call all the holy rivers right here? So Krishna, with his lotus foot, dug his heel into the ground and just by the force of his heel, he created a kund. And then by the power of his mind, he's such a sankalpa, anything he desires manifests. All the holy rivers from all over the universe all appeared and entered into that kund. And he said, after bathing there, okay, so what are you going to do? He said to Shimati Radhika. So you've never done any pious work like I have bathing in all these holy rivers. Shimati Radhika said, I don't even know that there are holy rivers in that lake. And just then all of the personified rivers came out and offered their respects, announcing who they were. The Godavari, the Kaveri, the Jamuna, 
the Ganga, every river was there. So then Srimati Radhika said, well, I'll show you Krishna. I'll make my own kund. And so she engaged all her sakis in digging a kund. And already Arishta, where he had put his mighty hoof, had dug a big ditch. And there she engaged thousands of rasakis in taking clumps of wet earth out from that place. And within an hour, she created a beautiful kund. And Krishna said, let me help. I will take the water from my kund and put it in your kund. And she said, no, 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 no. You already bathed in it. Your sins are in that water from killing the cow. Why would I want that? And just then, Krishna invoked the heavenly personality who emerged from that lake and began offering fervent prayers to Srimati Radhika, begging for her mercy. And she said, what can I do for you? He said, please, let all of these rivers enter into your kund. And she said, all right, I'll grant your wish. And with that utterance, all of the waters, all of the holy rivers from all the holy places all over the universe, from Krishna's kund, then broke over the, through the banks of Krishna's kund and entered into Srimati Radharani's kund, named Radha kund. And Krishna said, I want your kund to be the most famous in the whole world. And from then on, they would come there daily to have their pastimes and meet with each other. And it's this site of loving pastimes between Radha and Krishna, which is considered by those who are followers of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be the most sacred place in the whole universe, Sri Sri Radha Kund, who appeared today. Sakrit Eva Sara Snator Avishkaroti. If one time one can bathe in those holy waters of the Radha Kund, one can become infused with pure love for Krishna. So you find the last three verses of the Upadeshamrita describing, first of all, the hierarchy of all the places in the universe at least starting Vaikuntash Janitovara Marupuri Tatrapi Ratsutsavad Rindaranyam Darpani Ramanat Tatrapi Govardhanaha. Describing how above Vaikuntha there's Mathura, above Mathura is the forest of Vrindavan, above the forest of Vrindavan is Govardhan Hill, above Govardhan Hill is Shishi Radhakund. And then the last two verses go on to explain the different gradations of devotees, and the highest are those highest is Srimati Radharani and the highest place for the devotees to worship is at Sri Radha Kund. However, when we first went there, at least the first time I went there with a big truckload of devotees, we had no idea what it was. We just thought it was a beautiful place to swim, so we all jumped in. And afterwards, when Prabhupada heard about it, how we had jumped in, unceremoniously, then he forbade us to go in, in the Radha Kund. 
<laughs> until we learned the proper etiquette. And also, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, when he came to Radhakund to give lecture during Kartik, and many uh, sadhus came there wondering what kind of esoteric thing he will speak about. And he gave very basic instructions, thus disappointing a lot of people. But he wanted to make a point that we keep the topics of Radhakund uh, high above our head and worship them. And we take the practical process of pure devotional service, starting with hearing and chanting and associating with devotees and so forth until we become qualified for, for such topics. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur used to appreciate staying in Govardhan because he said, we'll stay near Radhakund, not in Radhakund. He showed by example how to keep Radhakund uh, high above one's head. There are prayers from one of his disciples, Srila Sridhar Maharaj, in which he describes how one should keep the topics about the pastimes of Radha Krishna far above one's head and worship them. Uh, <clears throat> Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as I began, discovered that place, it means he was looking for it, as Prabhupada writes, and also by worshiping Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through the Sankirtan movement, through the Harinam Sankirtan, one gradually gets the Adhikari for Thank you for that. We can see Gandharvika Rana gave us Radhakund here. To, uh, to actually uh, be invited to come into that environment, especially those who are pleasing Krishna through spreading the Sankirtan movement and going on uh, taking the holy name as their life and soul. Let's just see if there's any last questions or comments. Prabhu, I just had a... Uh, request Prabhu. Um, I was wondering that yes, um, uh, Prabhu was mentioning uh, Gopal Jampal Prabhu, how you would always read Bhagavatam in uh, Govardhan. I was just wondering, is it possible to do at least five days of reading Bhagavatam for five hours during uh, Vishnu Panchaka? Only if possible, Prabhu, and only if it suits your schedule. We'll have a, we'll put an investigative committee on it to see. I just find it very interesting what's possible at what time and what places. Well, we've realized about going to Govardhan, just, you know, it sounds funny that it was hard, hard to get out of Vrindavan. Vrindavan is a place, although we, we would hear in Chan in Vrindavan, it's a very, um, as I say in Japanese, nigiyaka, very uh, busy place horns honking, a lot of socializing, everything going on there. And uh, hard to break out of that orbit. We get to Govardhan and you kind of lock into a schedule and uh, and get into an orbit there. I'll look into it and see what see what's possible. It's been a Thank very, I have to say, it's been a very intense uh, schedule since the pandemic started, interestingly enough. I know all of you are having that experience too, but it's, I feel like I've been running a marathon since it started. 
with the various things because there's no, um, you know, when you travel, it's kind of like, okay, you break a certain pattern and you go this way, that way. When you're in one place and you start adding things on, it just, it, it stays in that groove, right? Are you all having that similar experience? I heard someone told me they were actually ha happy to go physically back to work because there was a beginning and an end to their work. <laughs> Whereas if you're home, there is no beginning and an end. I'm not avoiding your question, but we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. I've been, I have been thinking about it and what's practical, I'll let you know. Thanks for asking. Maharaj, when we talk about surrender and different phases of renunciation, and we talk about Srila Prabhupada's life, we, we look at the certain parts of it and we realize that he surrendered to the instruction of his uh, guru. He surrendered to the instruction of his father. He tried to raise money and he couldn't raise it. And, uh, you know, he kept his business going, but he realized that is not the way he's going to execute the instructions. But then at a certain point when, you know, when we notice that he starts printing those books, he literally starves trying to make those, get those paper, the paper and to print the Back to Godhead and then to print his books, his first canto. Um, at sometimes we see Prabhupada unrelenting. At sometimes we, we see Prabhupada meek and humble and accepting. So how do we get the, the strength to know the difference? Well, I don't know when you mean that he was meek and humble and, and unrelenting as opposites. Like, oh, like when, 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 when it came to making his life choices and he was instructed to make other choices, he was willing to accept that. But when it came to doing um, things like his service, when he was really running short of money, he didn't give up. He kept going and, and somehow he made it happen. I was trying to figure out how do you make that difference, the choice, and say, I, I just had to keep going. Like even for America, he had no idea if it was going to materialize. He's been trying so many ways and in so many ways. And this is, I don't know if this is just one more way he tried, but he sat there. He waited for that lady to come down outside her office. He just, he wouldn't give up. Sometimes I feel like he just never gave up. And sometimes I feel like he just accepted it. I couldn't figure out what the motivation was, except for the fact that Krishna was guiding him on through his life. Well, you never give up. So just keep doing that. And Prabhupada writes in the Bhagavad Gita that a disciple should be daring and active in devotional service. I mean, why not? Why not? It's a much smarter idea to put everything on the line for Krishna as much as one can at every at every stage of life, because otherwise, uh, without that, life is a kind of a um, just a grind for no reason. But the more that we, at every aspect of our in every aspect of life, we can find a way to be daring and active in the service. It's exciting. And we admire those devotees who have grit and they take the kind of responsibility that they can and they don't give up and they keep going. And I do. everyone appreciates watching a devotee sincerely working according to his or her capacity, whatever situation that devotee's in and, and going on with the practice of devotional service. And sometimes, you know, a mother with a child and it's a very difficult situation and, and she still goes on trying and chanting her rounds and doing what she can. And that's, that's as appreciated by Krishna as, you know, someone taking sannyas and going off traveling all over the world because that's their surrender and 
that's their situation and the sincerity is there in the heart of that devotee to take up that you know challenge and go on with with whatever situation he or she is in and you see that in the in the krishna book with the story of uh, shruta dave and um what's his counterpart krishna went to visit both of them at the same time one was a king and the other one was a simple householder Bahulashwa and Shruta Dave, and Krishna went there with his retinue, and then he 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 went into both of their homes at the same time, because <laughs> he, he and no, no one could tell that he did done that, and and you know one of them gave him a, a royal feast, and the other one gave him a, a mat to sit on on the floor and a glass of water, but because they were both pure devotees, you know they were both, uh, it's okay, Kitapri, you can walk across. Um, they were both, uh, you know, it's a family show. You don't have to worry. Um, yeah, so it, it's it, it's what's in the heart. It's what's in the heart. Let's sing the Damodar Ashtakam on this very auspicious day of Bahulashvami, the appearance day of Radhakun. Right now, uh, of course, I don't know the timing when it was. But in any case, all through you know, 48 hours around the Bahulashvami time, there are tens of thousands of devotees going to bathe in Radhakund. And um, we can meditate on on them and, and pray to uh, Radhakund for mercy to help us expand the Sankirtan movement. Hare Krishna. Oh, look, there's a Bisleri bottle full of Radhakund water and uh, Gopal Champu was offering a little bit for us to put on our head virtually. Hare Krishna. That was a nice touch, Gopal Champu Prabhu. Hey,